Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. All summer, we've been walking through the story of the Bible in 16 verses. We are at week 14 of 16. Last week, we celebrated Good Friday. So it only is fitting that one week later, we need to celebrate Easter, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and what that resurrection means every single day to you and to me. Paul highlights for us today the resurrection power in Jesus leaving the tomb empty. And in so doing, he lays out for us the greatest rescue story ever told. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of drawn to real-life rescue stories. I don't know if you spend a lot of time watching movies or documentaries that, that have that kind of aspect to it. And so just recently, a movie was released, I can't even remember what I saw it on, maybe Paramount, called 13 Lives. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you might remember the story. It happened back in 2018 in Thailand. 12 boys, soccer players, and their coach finished up practice and decided that they would go explore some caves in Thailand for a bit. When they entered the caves, unbeknownst to them, the rains began to fall, a little bit of an early monsoon. And quickly, the caves began filling up with water so that the young men and their coach were trapped. They kept moving further and further back into the caves, and by the time they finished their journey, they were two and a half miles from the entrance to the cave. The rains kept coming, and the floods kept filling up those caves, the caverns, so that there was no way to get to the boys and no way for the boys to get out. It wasn't until nine days after they entered the cave that some divers, British divers, were able to navigate all of those little nooks and crannies and make it to the boys and found them alive. It took another six for some seven and even eight days to figure out how to get them out and get them out of those caves. This is the part I don't want to spoil for you because it's amazing. But the way they got those young men and their coach out of the cave was nothing short of miraculous. It took hundreds of volunteers to make sure that those boys could get rescued. And this part I will spoil for you. All 13 of them were saved. I think about that like amazing rescues that are earthly. And the hundreds of people that were involved in this rescue in Thailand, and I think it pales in comparison to the rescue story the Bible lays out for you and for me. That rescue story is centered not in hundreds of people, but in one person, Jesus, our Savior. And yes, Jesus came to this earth and took on human flesh, but his resurrection proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was so much more than just a human being. He was God himself in human flesh. And so as we see the Apostle Paul's words today, Paul is reminding us all of the joy that is packed into one event. That first Easter Sunday and Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we get to see resurrection power. First, Paul assures us that Jesus' resurrection from the dead proves that he is the Son of God. 
And then secondly, that our future is guaranteed. Listen again with me to those two verses from Romans chapter 1. Here's what Paul says. The gospel regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So much jam-packed into those two little verses. It doesn't surprise you, I'm sure, that each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the final event that's recorded in those Gospels is the resurrection and its aftermath. All four remind us that Jesus broke out of this tomb, that he left it empty, that Easter is a reality. Maybe it surprises us a little bit if we truly consider who wrote these words. The author of the book of Romans was a man by the name of Paul, who had formerly been known as Saul. Perhaps you remember a little bit about Saul's life that shortly after Jesus' resurrection, Paul did everything, Saul, did everything that he could to stop Christians from believing in the resurrection, even going so far as persecuting them, leading to their deaths. It's amazing that someone who spent so much time trying to snuff out Christianity, denying the resurrection, would be the one who would write in such clear terms about it. It's remarkable that God could take this Paul, this persecutor of the church, and turn him into one of the church's greatest missionaries who has ever been known. It's only the power of God's gospel that can change people's hearts and lives, and you and I are walking proof of that, aren't we? You want to read about Paul's conversion experience, you can find it in Acts chapter 9. He's on his way to the city of Damascus to do more persecuting, to round up Christians. And Jesus himself visits Paul and changes the course of his life. What's amazing about Paul's description is that it's a concise account of everything that's wrapped up in who Jesus is and what he came to do. What we see in these few words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 is all of these paths that we've been talking about all summer converging to meet at one point at the empty tomb of our Savior Jesus. In those few short words in Romans chapter 1, Paul lays out clearly who Jesus is, both God and man in the same person. He tells us that Paul is, Paul tells us that Jesus is a descendant of David as to his earthly nature. And then he tells us that he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, both God and man. See, all of those dots that we've been laying out in the Old Testament record, they're connected to Jesus and to his resurrection from the dead. I suppose if we weren't so used to hearing that Jesus is God and man, if it were the first time we were hearing that news again, that kind of news should almost take our breath away. How is it even possible? Jesus came into this world and he is and continues to be like no one else. Yes, he has a human ancestry. He was a descendant of David, born of the Virgin Mary. But at the same time, he is eternal God who has always existed and always will exist. 
maybe just for a moment I can pinpoint a little bit more what this means. Not that we can understand it any better, but just to marvel at it once again. When Jesus turned eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to present him. At the same time that Jesus was eight days old as a human being, he was also eternally timeless. He had existed from forever. It almost blows our mind, doesn't it? When Jesus grew up in the home of his earthly father, Joseph, as a carpenter, it's fair to assume that Jesus made some things, that he learned carpentry skills, that he was able to put together furniture and other woodwork. And as he learned those things, he still was the God who made heaven and earth. And then we see Jesus on the cross on Good Friday. The Son of God succumbs to death. But death couldn't hold him. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he demonstrated that power that the Apostle Paul is speaking about here, that he is truly the Son of God, and the Savior of every person. It's good to marvel at Jesus being true God and true man in the same person. It's good to marvel and to consider that and ponder that because it demonstrates just how much God truly loves us. He came from heaven to live with us. Jesus was a man who had a height, who had a weight, who had a shoe size, but he didn't do all of those things just so he could hang out with us. No, he came for a, high, a much higher purpose, to save us. That's what Jesus came to this earth to do. And when he died on Good Friday, we heard him say last week, it is finished. Sins are paid in full. But it's his resurrection that guarantees that God accepted that payment. It's Jesus' resurrection that removes all doubt as to whether you and I stand before God holy and blameless or still riddled with sin. Jesus leaving the tomb empty is God's monumental stamp of approval to say, yes, your sins are forgiven. The word in the text that Jesus was appointed to be the Son of God or declared to be the Son of God with power is a pretty interesting Greek word. The Greek word is horizo. And the word itself means to mark off dimensions. So I was thinking about that this week and it, it took me back a little bit to my days as a football coach. Maybe many of you know that high school football season just started again this past week. One of the things that we did as high school football coaches in preparing for the season was mark out the lines on the football field and on the practice field. Now at first that might seem like a pretty easy task, but I can tell you it was a day-long project. We had to find the markers that were placed into the ground, dig them back up again, and then draw a string from one side of the field to the other, making sure it was tight so that you didn't get this wavy line, but a nice straight line. And we marked out the dimensions painstakingly of those football fields. That's the picture in the word appointed or declared. 
It's God who marked out the dimensions for Jesus. It's God who put Jesus on this earth and then declared him to be exactly who Jesus said he is, the Son of God. You see, Jesus had always been God's Son, even before he came to earth. But for a while, as Jesus lived his life on the earth, you would have had to see some of Jesus' miracles or some of the amazing things he did to truly think, hmm, I wonder who this Jesus is. But God left no doubt when Jesus rose from the dead. That was God saying, yes, this Jesus is appointed. He's declared to be the Son of God and your Savior. Again, thinking about that proof that, that Jesus rose from the dead is God's accepting of your payment for sin. It really is the fulfillment of millennia of promises, promises that we've been looking at all through the Old Testament. Jesus rising from the dead demonstrates to you and me that he is the seed of the woman, promised all the way back in Genesis, who would come and defeat Satan. He is the offspring of Abraham, through whom all nations on earth would be blessed. He is the true son of King David, through whom the throne would be established forever. All of those things come together in Jesus' resurrection. It's not too strong to say this. Jesus leaving his tomb empty, that event was a turning point in the history of all people. And the effects of that resurrection trickle down to us today, 2,000 years later, it still matters that Jesus rose from the dead. It still gives you and me the assurance of God's payment for sin, that Jesus didn't lie when he said that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. But there's even more. Jesus didn't only rise from the dead to prove to you and me that he is God's Son. He rose from the dead as the beginning of all of those, you and me, who will rise from the dead too. Listen how the Apostle Paul connects those dots as he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Can I take you back for a moment to Bible times, the concept of first fruits? When someone planted a field and the harvest began to be ripe, the first crops that were harvested were meant to be sacrificed, burned up as an offering to God. Why? Because there was a trust that the rest of the harvest was going to follow, that God would bring the rest of the harvest. When Paul calls Jesus the first fruits, the first one to rise from the dead to live forever, he's letting you and me know that we too are going to follow, that we too will rise from the dead. That's why Easter is a day to celebrate. And really, every day is Easter. Jesus doesn't only leave the tomb empty one day a year. He's out of that tomb right now. And that's your guarantee of victory. The curse of sin has been lifted. Really? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, then why do we still have so many things go wrong in this world? If the curse of sin is lifted, if Satan is truly defeated, then why do so many bad things still happen? We haven't quite reached the finish line yet, have we? 
And so every time there's sickness and hurt, every time disease is diagnosed, every time we go to a funeral, it's proof that the effects of evil are still in play. We need to hear Jesus' words. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's Jesus' promise in his resurrection. There are battles that continue. There will be fights that Satan will try to steal from us what Jesus has won. But Jesus says, you're mine. The victory is complete. Your sins are paid in full. And that's the assurance that his resurrection gives us. You see, because Jesus left his tomb empty, you never have to wake up wondering, is today the day God's grace runs out? Is today the day that I sin one too many times and Jesus' sacrifice is no longer good? No way. Jesus leaving the tomb empty is your guarantee that sin and all the guilt and the shame that come along with it, they've been wiped out by God. And you stand before him holy and blameless. And Jesus' resurrection gives you the calm assurance that when your time in this world is up, you too will rise. We will rise to live with him forever in heaven. You see, Easter is a day to celebrate because it's all about victory. It's about Jesus' victory for us and the victory that's passed on to us through him. The Apostle Paul describes that so well in 1 Corinthians 15. And maybe I could just offer this. If you're ever having a rough day, if you're ever having a time where you're, the frustration of this life just builds, whip out your Bible. Just read 1 Corinthians 15. It's 58 verses. It might take you five, six, seven minutes, depending on how fast you read. But I guarantee when you get to the end of that chapter, you will be encouraged by what the resurrection is all about. Here's how Paul finishes the chapter. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's God's promise to you. That nothing that we do in this life as we live out our lives of faith is in vain because our eternal victory is assured. Takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, Jesus' resurrection proves he has power as the Son of God. God declared him, appointed him. Let us know with no doubt that that's exactly who Jesus is, the Son of God and the Messiah that had been promised. Number two, Jesus' resurrection gives us assurance that we will rise from the dead. Jesus himself said it this way, because I live, you also will live. Finally, number three, Jesus' resurrection is our daily reminder of our victory. Maybe asking you to read 1 Corinthians 15 is a little bit unrealistic, but I bet you can at least do this. Each day you wake up, just say these words. Jesus' tomb is still empty. Jesus' grave is vacant. And that means you win. That means your victory is assured because Jesus defeated sin and death and Satan in your place. And you will rise to live with him forever. I can't guess how all of you feel about snakes. 
But I think in general, snakes are some of those creatures that make us a little bit uncomfortable. We have expressions that sort of demonstrate that, like a snake in the grass, or someone who can be snake-bitten, right? And, and maybe if you think about snakes and you think about how they slither and how the tongue comes out of the mouth, it just makes us a little uncomfortable, right? Maybe you knew this, but a snake, amazingly, can have its head severed from the rest of its body, and the head can still bite for several minutes, even hours after the snake is dead. It's got some sort of sense, sensory organ that feels heat or feels stimuli from the outside that will allow it to bite even after it's dead. I thought about that illustration because it's kind of what we experience in this life, isn't it? We know Satan is dead. We know he's defeated by Jesus, but the effects of sin still rage on. And he still comes after us. But here's the assurance. You can't lose. Satan cannot win because on the cross and in the empty tomb, you're guaranteed of Jesus' victory. That's what Paul's demonstrating in Romans chapter 1. Jesus' resurrection power that gives you and me confidence as we live our lives here and it gives us life forever with him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.